Bienvenido and thank you for listening to the Word con Sazón podcast, a sermon collective of reforming Latinos. The following message was given at Midwest Bible Church in Chicago, Illinois by Brother Daniel Ramos. For more information about the church or about our brother, please go to our show notes below. If this is your first time here, have you noticed that uh, this last few Sundays, well, last Sunday and today, and then next Sunday, uh, we will be doing standalone sermons. Uh, We've been regularly preaching through books of the Bible. Um, Our last series that we just finished about two weeks ago, uh, we were going through the book of Philippians. And I can honestly say that it was a blessing, uh, personally for me, to see how God... uh, was using the book of Philippians, uh, the preaching of the gospel through the book of Philippians to challenges, challenge us as believers, as followers of Christ, to imitate Christ our Lord as an example of humility and humbling ourselves and counting others more highly than ourselves and serving them for the sake of the gospel, bearing fruits in their lives and in the lives of others. Um, if we learn something from Philippians, that, that's the big takeaway that we can take from Philippians, right? That, that Christ our Lord humbled himself. In humility, he served us, counting us as, as higher so that we can have this that we have today with him, relationship with Christ, and be forgiven from our sins. But uh, these standalone sermons are taking place as uh, Pastor Lucas and Pastor Marco prepared uh, with the elders as well for the summer series. So with that said, uh, let's jump in into our text this morning. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, a copy of your Bible, your phone app Bible, uh, whichever Bible you have with you, uh, please turn to James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26. This is what the word of the, of the Lord says in James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, Without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe. And shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? 
You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let's pray. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, and we ask you that as your word is preached, Father, that you may work in the hearts of your people, that your Holy Spirit may regenerate the hearts of those who are in here who are dead in sin, and that for those who are in here who profess to love you and, 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 and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, that this word this morning may anchor in our hearts, leading us to live holy lives. Father, I pray that you, that your spirit may keep me from error, that I may preach your word faithfully, and that in the process we may honor your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me begin with this illustration. There, there was once this little girl who kissed a frog, and she believed that it turned into a handsome prince. The next day she took the frog to school. Her friends asked, hey, what's with the frog? It's not a frog. It's a prince, she replied. Meanwhile, the frog is saying, rabbit, rabbit, whatever frogs say. <laughs> the reality is that it didn't matter how often she insisted her frog was a prince, her friends weren't fooled. They just thought she was crazy. The same is true of a person who claims to be a Christian but doesn't act in a way that honors the Lord. In other words, faith with our works is dead. If we claim to be a people that belongs to God because we have trusted in the finished work of Christ in our behalf, then like trees that by their fruits, we know what kind of trees they are because of the fruits they give, so it is with those who proclaim to follow Jesus. So it is with those who proclaim and profess to love the Lord. Therefore, in our text this morning, we're going to be looking at how faith and works relate to one another in our justification. Here's the big idea. The way we know that we possess justifying faith is by the works that confirm the faith that we profess. 
the way we know that we possess justifying faith, and by that I'm arguing justifying faith, just in case um, um, it's not clear. I'm arguing that we have really trusted Jesus. The way we know that we really trusted Jesus as Lord over our lives and Savior is by the works that confirm the faith that we profess to have. Pastor John MacArthur, um, writing about James' epistle, writes the following. The whole of the epistle written by James is a series of tests by which you can evaluate whether your faith is a living faith or whether there is a dead faith. Therefore, following MacArthur's observation, if you're following me, when we read or study the book of James, the first test we see in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 12, is the test of trials. The way we respond to trials is an indicator of dead faith or living faith. The second was the test of temptation, James chapter 1, verse 13 to 16, where you place the blame in temptation was an indicator of living faith or dead faith. The third test is at the end of chapter 1, verse 19 to 27, on being doers of the words of the word and not just hearers. Then in chapter 2, which is the chapter we're in, verse 1 to 13. James talks about the sin of partiality and where those who make a distinction out of people because of their social background or social status shows whether they, their faith is a living faith or a dead one. Again, James, through his letter, is giving us a series of, of, of tests that we can test whether our faith is a living faith or a dead faith. So therefore, chapter 2, verse 14 to 26, where we are today, James continues with the test of works. And by this works, James means holy living, set apart for God, the way we live our life under the authority of Christ as Lord and Savior. Therefore, verses 14 to 17, faith produces Good works. Faith produces good works. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, by its, so also faith by itself if it doesn't have works, it's dead. Words without action confirm nothing. How does it benefit anyone to say they have faith, but in turn show no evidence of such faith? In the words of James, can that faith save him? This question introduces the crucial issue of the relationship between faith and works. True faith, in the illustration that James is given, shows itself in how we care for others. Notice that James challenges his first century Jewish Christians 
it's important to know because of the illustrations he gives. Notice how he challenges them with a, with a scenario that transcends time. Verse 15 and 16, if a brother or a sister, meaning fellow believers, if they are poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? In other words, if you're able to attend the needs of others, especially those who belong to the household of God, and we don't do that, but in turn, we neglect them and try to cover up with fancy words, spiritual world, uh, words, religious words. And don't meet their basic needs and we can meet them and we don't do that. What good is that about your faith and about what you profess? James tells his believers, and this is my paraphrasing James thought. You know, it raises question that you profess to trust Jesus as Lord, but neglect meeting the basic needs of his people. Something doesn't add up with what I hear you say, but don't see you do. If we're honest, we know we see this kind of professing faith all around us today. Even in the local church. Someone may, claim, someone may claim to have faith that they believe that Jesus is the son of God. They agree with a set of Christian teachings, but there is no heart transformation whatsoever. And that is at the heart that is at the heart of the problem James is addressing here. If our lives remain unchanged, if our lives remain unchanged, do we really believe the truth that we claim to believe? Can such a faith save you? I believe the notes of the Reformation Bible study do a magnificent job in driving this point home. I quote, when Luther and the reformers insisted on the formula justification by faith alone, they meant to insist that justification rests upon reliance on the merit of Christ alone. The alone does not mean that the faith exists alone without any subsequent fruit of obedience. Luther insisted that saving faith is a living faith. We are justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Charles Spurgeon put it the following way. Faith and works are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God trusts God. And he that trusts God obeys God. He that is without faith is without works. And he that is without works is without Faith without works is useless. Faith without works is useless. Verse 18 to 20. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. 
And James replies, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown your foolish person that faith apart from works is useless? William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, was brushing his hair uh, and his son stepped into the room called Bramwell. And William cried out, do you know that men sleep out all night on the bridges? Well, yes, the son replied. A lot of poor fellows, I suppose, do that. Then you ought to be ashamed of yourself to have known it and have done nothing for them. And when the son began to talk about the poor law program, General Booth waved a hand and said, go and do something. We must do something. What can we do? Asked the son. Get them a shelter. That will cost money, replied the son. Well, that is your affair. Something must be done. Get a hole of a warehouse and warm it and find something to cover them. And this is how the Salvation Army began. You see, wishful thinking was going to amount for nothing if some action had not taken place in the caring of the less fortunate. William and his son took what they knew they could do and set it into action. Therefore, what good is it to say we have faith and trust God, but our lives show no evidence of that whatsoever? The faith we profess to have is useless if not vindicated by works. The late theologian R.C. Sproul put it in the following way. True faith will inevitably manifest itself in the performance of works of obedience. The performance of works are the result of faith and the fruit of justification. The Apostle Paul is also consistent in this chain of thought. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Titus chapter 3, verse 8. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Justify by faith in the Son of God unto good works. That's the point we're driving here, that James is driving here. Justify by faith in the Son of God unto good works. Our faith has to show something about what we profess. James continues to elaborate his posture of the, of the necessity of works as an evidence of justifying faith. He presents an imaginary objector, as we read, who argues that someone may have genuine faith without works. But James argues that both faith and works are always together. In other words, one works 
complements the other, faith. Church, our faith in Christ, who we profess to believe and trust, is made visible by the way we live our lives. What good is it for us to know good doctrine, have God's commands memorized, but the way we live our lives in turn show no evidence that we have been set apart to live for the master that has bought us? James takes it even a step further, just in case there was still missing the point, or just in case we are still missing the point. Verse 19, you believe that God is one? You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. If someone knows orthodox theology well, if someone knows the set of teaching, uh, of, of Christian teachings well, you can bet your money that the demons can win that prize. They can assent mentally who God is. They know. They know that Jesus is the son of God. They know that Jesus is the Christ. They know that Jesus is the Lord over all. They know this. But just because they know this doesn't mean they possess saving faith. Just because they know this doesn't mean they love Christ. I mean, look at the way the demons address Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29, when Jesus gets off the boat and, right, and, and goes into this uh, country and, 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 and there's a demon-possessed man, right? And he fell before Jesus and they say, and behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? They know who Jesus is. They can assent mentally that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God. That doesn't mean they love him. In other words, you can know all the correct doctrine that there is to know, but if you don't live in submission and in obedience to Christ, the faith that you profess to have is not any better than the demon's faith. Therefore, James speaks in this verse here to those who confuse mere intellectual assent with faith. In the words of Charles Mitten, it is a good thing to possess an accurate theology, but it is not profitable unless that good theology also possesses us. What we know in our heads to be true must anchor in our hearts, leading us to trust in the justifying work of Christ in our behalf and leading us to live a life in obedience under the authority of Christ. It doesn't profit you in any way to have it all here, but there's no hard transformation here. You're just a theological nerd. 
Anybody can do that. There's a bunch of professors in seminaries that can do that. A bunch of students in seminary that can do that. So that good doctrine should possess you here. Faith without works is dead. Verses 21 to 26. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. An old Scotsman operated a little rowboat for transporting passengers. One day a passenger noticed that the good old man had carved on one oar the word faith and in the other oar the word works. Curiosity led him to ask the meaning of this. The old man being a well-balanced Christian and glad of an opportunity for a testimony, said, I will show you. So saying, he dropped one oar and plied the other, called works. And they just went around in circles. Then he dropped that oar and began to ply the oar called faith. And the little boat just went around in circles again. This time, the other way around. But still in a circle. After this demonstration, the old man pick up, pick up faith and works, and plying both oars together, sped swiftly over the water, explaining to his inquiring passenger, you see, that is the way it is in the Christian life. Dead works without faith are useless, and faith without works is dead, also getting you nowhere. But faith and works pulling together make for safety, progress, and blessing. Justifying faith presents works that affirm what we believe, church. Faith is vindicated by works. James concludes his appeal to having faith a faith that is proved by works with two well-known examples to his audience, Abraham and Rahab. In one end, we have Abraham, whom in Genesis 15, we are, we are told that he believed God's promise to give him an offspring and, and, and his faith in the Lord was counted to him as righteousness. But how do we know his faith was a genuine faith? Well, we know that because of Abraham's fruits of obedience. 
In Genesis 22, we see Abraham's faith being vindicated by his obedience to the Lord. You see, Abraham was already justified. Don't, you can't miss this. Abraham was already justified before God when he trusted in the Lord in Genesis 15. When God gave him a promise and he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. But then in chapter 22, and his act of obedience, when God calls him to sacrifice Isaac, his obedience proves that he doesn't only loves God, but he trusts God. So his faith is vindicated by his works. If that's not enough, the same is true of Rahab. We read of the story of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. And, and where we're told that Rahab harbors these two uh, Hebrews, Israelites, uh, 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 spies. And she believes, we know that if we read chapter, uh, Joshua chapter 2, she believes that, that the, the God of Israel is the true God overall. And by her actions, as it develops in Joshua chapter 2, we know that she truly believes that. Her works vindicate her faith. Now, are we any different from these two examples? No, we're not. We are justified by trusting in the finished work of Christ on our behalf. But along with that genuine trust, with that genuine confession, tags along works. A life that shows that we truly believe God and Christ Jesus, not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. Jesus was clear that those who love him Listen to me, church, that those who love him observe, do, and keep his words. Let me review these examples. Matthew uh, 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. John chapter 15, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John chapter 14, verse 23 uh, to, uh, to 24. If anyone loves me, he will keep my words. John chapter 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. John chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 2 John chapter 6, this is love, that we walk according to his commands. 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, he who says who, he who says he knows him but does not keep his commands is a liar. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God is made perfect. The word of God is clear. 
If we profess to love Jesus, if we profess to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior and live under his authority, fruits like trees, we're going to bear fruits that show what kind of tree we are. Martin Luther's preface to the letter to the Romans catches perfectly the message that James is bringing about in these 12 verses. These are Luther's words. Oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for it, for, for it not to be doing good things constantly. It does not ask whether good works are to be done, but before the question is asked, it has already done this and constantly doing them. Whoever does not do such works, however, is an unbeliever. He gropes and looks around for faith and good works, but knows neither what faith is nor what good works are. Yet he talks and talks with many words, about faith and good works. Church, James, when talking about one being justified by works and not by faith alone, is not in opposition to the Apostle Paul and his teaching of believers' justification by faith alone. While Paul in Romans chapter 3, verse 28 points us to the basis of our justification through faith in Christ and not through works of the law. James here in this, in this 12 verses points us to the fruit of our justification. Our good works that flow out of the faith we profess to have in Christ as Lord. There is no contradiction between James and Paul Salvation, listen to me, salvation is by faith alone in the Son of God who paid in full for the sins of his people. But our faith is not a faith that is alone. The way we live our lives under the authority of Christ speaks volumes about if you have really trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. Oh, that we, that we may be a people that not only with words confess Jesus as Lord, but also that the way we live our lives, church, may go hand in hand with that confession. We can't have one without the other. Our lives show the fruit of the gospel taking root in our heart. It's an oxymoron to say that you live for Christ under the authority of Christ and no progress whatsoever has been taking place in your heart transformation. Don't compare yourself to Pastor Marco or to Pastor Lucas or to anyone that you see having the Ten Commandments down. That's not what I'm talking about here. That's not what James is talking about here. We're talking about there has to be fruits if you have confessed Jesus as Lord. 
And some trees will show fruits much, much faster than others. But that doesn't mean that the tree that's not showing fruit as fast, as fast as the other one is not bearing fruits. Fruits are going to be seen. So I encourage you, church, if you're here this morning and you believe you've trusted Jesus with your life and you are a Christian and, you, and, and, your, and your life shows evidence of that, I appeal to you, continue to live a holy life set apart unto good works that show that you belong to Jesus and not to yourself and not to the system of this world. If you're here this morning and you haven't trusted Jesus, or at least you think you have, and your life shows no fruit whatsoever of that, I appeal to you, by the grace of God, come to Jesus. Trust him. Trust him with your life, not with your mind, but with your life. And let your, let your life let your life show fruits that you have trusted Jesus as Lord. We can't confuse, we can't leave one without the other. Jesus is not only Savior, he is Lord. Let us pray, church. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the love that you have shown your people through the Son. Thank you for the life that Jesus lived in our behalf. Thank you for the death that he, he died in behalf of your people to forgive us of our sins to pay the ransom that we deserve to pay. Thank you because such a precious blood paid in full the sin of your people. Bringing us back to you. And thank you because in that act of justice and love, you have called us and set us apart unto you to live lives that show that we belong to you, to live lives that honor you and show that we love you and proclaim that Jesus is Lord over our lives. And that even though we may, we may struggle and fall, and, and, and fall down, that, that there is grace for us to stand back up and keep walking towards the goal. It is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I pray in Christ's name, save people in this room. Call us back to you to live holy lives. And let our hearts be transformed by the truth of the gospel. 
In Jesus' name, amen.